It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome into edition, Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, hmm, how convenient the rookies of the year keep balling out, and we'll give some college football thoughts about this weekend. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. We welcome you into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here in Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta in that search browser when you get there. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review. Then follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Hmm. You know, I said leave me a comment because there might be a few comments after this first part here today. So if you didn't see yesterday... The Falcons made a whole bunch of moves, and not just practice squad guys, but some things that didn't surprise me. Marlon Davidson, Jalen Mayfield, John Fitzpatrick, Isaiah Oliver all went to injured reserve, meaning that they're going to miss the first four games of the regular season. Oh, look at this. Look who else ended up on IR. The guy who just had a small cleanup, nothing to see here, easy peasy, can be done anytime because there's nothing to it procedure and then goes on the pup list and come back anytime and then magically showed up at the end of training camp, played in the final preseason game, but then all of a sudden it's time for the regular season. It's, ooh, my arm, my arm's broken, my arm's broken. Deion Jones ended up on the IR, huh? Really, wait a second. I thought that y'all told me that there's nothing to see here, no conspiracies. They're all excited to have them on the roster, huh? They have done every single calculated thing possible to not have them be a part of this team, and yet y'all still think they want them on this team. They brought, again, clean up procedure. No problem. We can do it in January, right? No, nope, can't do it then. Well, what about February? No, no, no. I know. I know when we'll do it. We'll do it right as it's time to have our first mandatory minicamp. Not OTAs, not the draft, not the combine, not the regular end of the regular season. No, 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 no. The best time to have it is let's have it at the start of mandatory minicamp. And then we'll just put them on the pup list for training camp. But, but remember, he can come back at any time. Oh, I mean, he showed up the last week of training camp and the last preseason game, got in against Jacksonville. He sure looked hurt, didn't he? Played all of the first quarter, played a whole bunch of snaps. Looked like he was 
struggling out there, right? It was, I was our shoulder and all that, couldn't do anything, right? Couldn't hit anybody, right? Oh, and then magically showed up on the IR the first week of the season where he's out the first month. But again, I understand. Y'all tell me, oh, no, that this isn't calculated. They want him on the roster. He's going to be fine and everything like that. For those of you that believe that, give me a follow on my Twitter page. DM me. I have some oceanfront property in the state of Iowa that I want to talk to you about selling. Because this franchise has gone out of its way to calculate not playing Deion Jones not having him a part of all this. When I was out at training camp, okay, when Deion Jones was there on the pup list, physically unable to perform list, the only guys that were further away from the team doing work were the guys that were mowing the field. The guys that were on some riding lawnmowers about half a mile away. Those guys were as close to the field as Deion Jones was who's way down doing some work on his own and stuff like that. But I, I understand nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. No, no, no. They want him on the squad. He's going to be fine. He fits the scheme. They want to play him. Really? So how hurt did he look? In the, did, did, did anybody on the broadcast or anybody ever make a comment that said, boy, Dion's really struggling out there. He doesn't look like he's healthy at all out there. Did you hear any of that? Nah, they played him a whole bunch of snaps and he was out there running around doing things. Now we'll talk more about this in just a second. But first, my friends over betonline.net, did you see we were loaded up with college football action last night? NFL is right around the corner. Baseball pennant race is coming down the stretch. Look, <clears throat> BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. You need scores, you need podcast news, you need wagers, you need lines, you need whatever you need, bet online, betonline.net is the place to go. Everything is available to you in a handy, easy to use app on your mobile device, right? So take that mobile device that you can't live without, head to betonline.net today and check out all of the action. Golf, MMA, boxing, football, baseball, basketball coming around the corner. Everything is available to you right there. And you'll get all the information that you need to bet smarter. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. So again, funny that when this all happens and stuff like that, we'll be headed toward the trade deadline in the NFL. Because remember, the trade deadline in the NFL doesn't come six months into the season. Trade deadline comes early in the NFL season. But I know, I understand, it's just magical that all of this has been able to work itself. It's just one of those things, fairy dust up in the air, right? Mayfield, I get, he's been battling injury and missing practice and stuff like that, right? We knew that. That's why I said I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm, I'm not surprised Marlon Davidson and Jalen Mayfield went to IR. I'm more surprised both of those guys are still here. And who knows, they may end up moving on from one or both of those guys. Mayfield wasn't going to start, so you're not really losing anything with him other than depth. And Marlon Davidson, you know, again, we knew this would be up in the air. But isn't it just funny? Isn't it just random happenstance that Deion Jones, you know, who we've been trying to tell you for months that the Falcons want to move on from him, that they would prefer to, it's not about salary. It's about scheme fit and all this kind of stuff, right? And I've said, 
I don't think they're going to cut him. How many times have I told you on this podcast? I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think they want to just cut Deion Jones and let him go somewhere else and the Falcons eat a bunch of money and he goes and plays well for somebody. I don't think they want to do that. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Tell me more because everything I've told you to this point has worked out exactly to plan for the Atlanta Falcons. Worked out exactly to plan. Remember a few months ago, we told you, you know, the Joker is all part of the plan. Everything has been calculated in how they've handled Deion Jones. These are not vacuum. These are not moves made in a vacuum with him. He's not going to be a part of this team. They're going to move on from him. They're going to play Evans and they're going to play Troy Anderson at some point, And they're going to play Michael Walker and they're going to play those guys in the middle. And what they're not going to do is play Deion Jones. And let me assure you, when Deion Jones does get traded, I'm a thousand percent convinced at this point that he is not going to see the field as an Atlanta Falcon. Put this down in your little comment down there. He is not going to see the field as an Atlanta Falcon anymore. What you saw against Jacksonville is your lasting memory of Deion Jones. That's the last you will see of him as an Atlanta Falcon. If you think that this is all just some fluky thing that's had like this, you are insane. NFL, This NFL team knows exactly what it wants to do, and it's manipulating every little step of the way when it comes to Deion Jones. And you can keep your head in the sand. You can keep burying it. But I'm telling you, what you saw against Jacksonville is the last time you'll see 45 running around in an Atlanta Falcons uniform. And now we're starting the year on IR. Remember that simple little nothing to see here, quick and easy little snip, little tuck, little tweak, right? That little shoulder thingy dingy, right? And now it's, oh, my arm, my arm's broken. Oh, I got to be out for another month. <sighs> Sometimes I told you so is just too easy to say. All right, when we come back, what an outstanding performance last night from the other rookie of the year candidate. We'll talk about that next. Hitting hard with John Chuckery. Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Head to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta in the search browser. Hit that subscribe button when you find us. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review. And then, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. You know, for a franchise that has had some of the best pitchers ever in Major League Baseball and had some of the most unbelievable pitching performances ever, in the history of the game. Look, Tom Glavin's, you know, game to win the World Series in 95 is, is one of the most clutch moments I've ever seen. But last night, what Spencer Strider did in his eight innings, two hits, didn't allow a run, 16 strikeouts, oh, with no walks in 106 pitches last night, is one of the great pitching performances ever in Atlanta Braves history. And here's the scary thought now is strikeout pitchers are going to have high pitch counts because, again, it's not a one-pitch ground ball out. It's swing and miss, takes you at least three pitches. But Strider learning to put guys away, to not waste pitches, to not give up hits, to not give any free passes should scare the bejesus out of the rest of the league. Because you go 16 strikeouts and no walks, the control on that 
is absurd. That's an absurd total. I can understand 16 strikeouts and maybe a couple, three, four walks, but 16 strikeouts and you don't give up a single walk? If you're in Major League Baseball, you should be scared to death. And I said this a while back that I think there's a definite, I I said it about the All-Star break, right? Hey, there's a definite chance that he might get to 200 strikeouts. Uh, yeah, he's now now he's sitting at what 174 strikeouts in 114 innings pitched for him. 107. He's going to be a 200 strikeout pitcher this year. And I brought up Doc Gooden. You know, I, last night was Roger Clemens. I mean, what an unbelievable performance. There is no question that the Braves have the top two rookies in the National League. It's not even close. It's not even close. And at this point, I don't know how you sort out who's number one, number two. Now, what's interesting is I want to go back and look at something, okay? have Has a team ever had the number one and number two rookie of the year? Uh, have, has any team ever had teammates that finished one, two in the rookie of the year voting? Well, believe it or not, it's happened one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times it's happened in Major League Baseball history. Guess when the last time was teammates finished 1-2 in the Rookie of the Year voting? Any guesses out there? 2011 was the last time. Any idea who that was? Craig Kimbrell for the Atlanta Braves finished first, and Freddie Freeman of the Braves finished second. So the last team to do it was the Atlanta Braves with Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman. And by the way, the last time before that, was in 1989 when Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith finished 1-2 for the Cubs in Rookie of the Year voting. And most famously, it was 1975 when Fred Lynn was the Rookie of the Year and the MVP of the league, the first guy to do that, one of only two guys to do that, along with Ichiro, where he finished first in the MVP and Rookie of the Year, and Jim Rice finished second that year. But think about that, 2011, and then you got to go back to 1989. You got to go back to when George Bush, the first guy, was president. That's how far back it has to go. What these two guys, Michael Harris and Spencer Strider, have done is nothing short of remarkable for a World Series championship team. And by the way, in 75, with Lynn and Jim Rice, remember, they went to the World Series that year with that young core and that group that they had because Dwight Evans had only been there a couple of years. Fisk had only played for a couple of years. They had a few veterans on that team, but the infusion that these two guys have brought to this team, honestly, it is completely, I think, changed up the dynamic of what this team is. And now comes the hard part that we'll talk about in just a second. But first, let me talk about my friends over at Coffee AM, coffeeam.com. You know that they're the best small batch coffee roaster in America. I'm enjoying their coffee every single morning. Every morning, get up. First thing I do, get up. Well, I use the bathroom, but then I go and make a pot of coffee of coffeeam.com's coffee. Look, you're looking for organic coffees. You're looking for flavored coffees. You want K-cups. Whatever you need is at coffeeam.com. So what I want you to do is go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on, okay? Get there, go through their menu. They've got coffees. They've got teas. They've got gift sets. You need a mug, whatever you need. They've got all kinds of little things there at coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Put together that first order that's there. And when you get your first order put together, get to checkout and put the coupon code 
Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On at checkout. You'll get 15% off that first order. Coffees, teas, gift sets, doesn't matter. Whatever you buy on that first order, they're going to give you 15% off simply by using the coupon code Locked On at checkout, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. They're here in the state of Georgia, up in Canton. Locked On is the coupon code. CoffeeAM.com is the best small batch coffee roaster in America. But there is no question about how good these guys have been. And now the question becomes this. Where do you start Strider in the playoffs? And, and we had our hangouts last week, and we were sort of talking about this. There is a difference between, and I know people aren't going to like this either. There's a difference between where he probably should pitch and where Snicker's actually going to pitch him. Well, you're hating on Snicker again. No, there is a difference between those two things. Because there's no way you can tell me in a playoff series that you wouldn't want Spencer Strider as your number three star. Look, Max Fried is my ace, and he's going in game number one. And and you ain't going to convince anybody on this side of the camera that he and your number one and your bulldog starter, okay? So he goes number one. I give Kyle Wright the ball in number two. I, I think he's earned every bit of that, and he's been outstanding for the Braves. And I love Charlie Morton, and he's done a lot of good things. But right now, with that stuff that Strider's got, and he's Dwight Gooden mowing guys down, I'm giving him the ball in game three. I don't care if he is a rookie or not. Now, Snitker most likely will probably pitch Charlie Morton, which is not an awful decision. It's not nearly as bad as the pitching Dallas Keiko over Mike Soroka decision a few years ago in the Cardinal series. But I, if he... Look, worst case scenario is Strider's going to pitch game four, right, in a playoff series. But that performance last night is one of the great regular season performances ever for an Atlanta Brave. For a franchise with Hall of Famers everywhere, Negro's a Hall of Famer, Spawn's a Hall of Famer, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, blah, 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 and all the other great pitchers that they've had great. No, Russ Ortiz was a 20-game winner here. Denny Nagel had some great years here. Right For all of the pitching that the Atlanta Braves have had, that performance last night by Strider is one of the all-timers. And him and Harris, at this point, are going to run away with the rookie of the year. And to think about going into this season, as we talked about, for a guy to come up from Mississippi, didn't start the year in Gwinnett for the Stripers, played in Mississippi, jumped right up to the big club, and Spencer Strider, two years ago, pitching for Clemson University, wins a job in camp, starts in the bullpen, injuries happen, throw him into the starting rotation, and 200 strikeouts later, mowing people. I mean, he is mowing people down. I asked I asked some guys at an event I was at last week, former Braves, Marquise Grissom, Greg McMichael, Andrew Jones. I was like, have you guys, do you guys remember seeing anybody that just reared back and fired the way that that Sprider does? And and they said Dwight Gooden was one of the guys. But other than that, like, you don't see this out of young pitchers, that you just come in, rear back, fire, and good luck trying to hit it. So the Braves are going to finish 1-2 as they were the last franchise to have the 1-2 rookie of the year. They're going to have it again this year. It speaks to their development their ability to scout, draft, everything. And that's been the underrated part of what this run has been over the last few years, how good they've developed their young players. All right, when we come back, some thoughts about the weekend in the world of college foosball. 
Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery and Locked on Sports Atlanta, YouTube.com is the place to go. Hit that subscribe button when you find our page. Leave us a comment, and then we are free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free today. Leave us a five-star review. Hit me up on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. What a weekend it is. Listen, college football does it right. You know, the NASCAR takes their biggest event of the year, the Daytona 500, and runs it in that very first weekend. And I think it's a brilliant move. I think it's great strategy to do something like that. Well, college football does the same thing. With this weekend, you start last night on Thursday. You get games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You get college football. It dominates the whole weekend. It dominates the conversation. And you get so many cool matchups. And you get these opening matchups in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, at Jerry's World, the Superdome, right? You get all of these really cool events that go on across the country for college football. So they do it right. They really get things cranked up and going. Last night was a great start. You saw the backyard brawl. Hey, my Akron Zips won. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about all that. Tennessee rolling early on. Ball State stinks, so don't worry about the, all of that. So some thoughts about this weekend in the world of college football. Let's start with the Georgia Bulldogs here locally, taking on Oregon. Look, Oregon loses Kayvon Thibodeau, but they still have a pretty good amount of personnel on that defensive line, a really solid offensive line. And guess what? They're going to get run over by Georgia. Georgia and their defensive line and their skilled people is too much for Oregon. Oregon coming across country here and getting ready to play Georgia. I like Oregon. I think Oregon's got a pretty good team, but Bo Nix at quarterback, with all due respect, how far you think you're going with Bo Nix at quarterback? So I know Georgia's about an 18, 18 and a half point favorite. I like Georgia all day long to cover that game. I think the talent just eventually overwhelms. The depth of talent overwhelms Oregon. You know, I think the fun matchup, Oregon's defensive front versus Georgia's offensive line. Who wins that battle out there? Georgia with one of the probably five or six best offensive lines in all of college football. And even losing Thibodeau, Oregon is really good up front on their defensive line. But too many athletes, too many good skill position people. You know, this is a game where, you know, look, Georgia's going to try to establish its running game early and then open that thing up and start hitting some big strikes against Oregon. I expect Georgia to win, and I expect them to win and cover big. Monday night, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Whew, not exactly the way you want to open if you're Georgia Tech out there. Look. It, this is not fair to say, okay, but it's probably reality. And that is Georgia Tech is going to go as far as Jeff Sims can take them. Now, it's probably not fair to put everything on one kid in a college program. But in Georgia Tech's case, either Jeff Sims at quarterback is going to take that next step and develop as he's in the third year in this system now and get them in the right direction or things are going to go sideways. Because if they, you know, I don't think they're going to beat Clemson by any stretch. Clemson may have the best defensive front in the country. And if those guys can stay healthy, Brissy and those guys, they are, you know, they they would have been even more dominant last year. But injuries really killed Clemson on the defensive front. But if Sims can step up and he can elevate his game to the next level in both running the football and most importantly is throwing the football. They have some playmakers. Malachi Carter is a nice wide receiver. They can run the football some. They're not terrible on their offensive line. Do they match up with Clemson talent-wise? 
not even close. It's not, it's, it's, it's again, it's, you know, bringing up, you know, it's a fist fight where Clemson's bringing a bazooka though to come along with it. I don't expect Tech to win. I don't expect them to cover. But what I want to see is can Jeff Sims and this offense do some things against Clemson, right? Can they do something against that defense? And I think Clemson is going to be one of those teams. Look, I think they're number four in the country right now. I think they're preseason number four. I think they're one of the teams that you better be careful throwing dirt on um, that, you know, they're done and Dabo's this and all that. Okay. Where do you see what they line up and try on? And I think one thing about Clemson is they're going to be coached much better offensively this year. They were not coached very well offensively. And I think that's one of the big things is changing up offensive coordinators as their OC left. I think that's going to make a big difference. Clemson's going to try to get back to being what Clemson football is. And hopefully Georgia Tech, I think the swing game is finding a way to win down in Central Florida. Because if they don't win down in Central Florida, they most likely are one and four to start the season. With Clemson, Ole Miss, Central Florida, um, Western Carolina, you know, their schedule's not very easy at the very beginning of the year. If they can beat Central Florida, they might get out of the first five games, two and three. One and four, probably going to be hard to bounce back from. Now, Ohio State and Notre Dame. I think Ohio State is, without question, the best offense in college football this year. Stroud is my pick to win the Heisman. Trayvon Henderson is as good a running back as there is in college football. Their wide receiver room is the best positional unit group in America. And that's after losing two first-round NFL wide receivers. Their guys that they have, the Marvin Harrison's juniors and all those guys, that group is the best group in America. And they're going to average probably at least 50 points a game this year. And by the way, throw in the fact that they might have the best offensive line in all of college football. They have multiple guys who are going to be looked at as first-round draft picks in the NFL. So, I don't know. Let's see. Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, the best wide receiver group in America, a first-team All-American caliber running back, and the best offensive line in college football. Yeah, that, that spells pretty good deal. Maybe they're not so great at tight end. I'm joking uh, here. But they're going to be a 50-point-per-game offense. And I think Notre Dame does some things well. I think Notre Dame is another group that you talk about one of the top five offensive lines in America. They're it. But you have a new starter at quarterback, guys at running back that aren't experienced. You know, they lost their top running back from the last couple of years. It was a thousand yard rusher. Their offense won't be able to keep up. The key to this game is I want to see what Jim Knowles, who might end up being the most important assistant coach hire in college football. He's the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. He's coming over from Oklahoma State where he made them a top-tier defense. If they can get their defensive front, because they got a lot of questions at linebacker, they have two outstanding cornerbacks. They might have the two best corners in the Big Ten, which is a scary thought because that's back to being Denzel Ward and all those guys who were all NFL draft picks, right, for years. I think they're going to hammer Notre Dame. I think it's going to be fun kind of early on, but when they get that passing game and they get that running game going, Notre Dame is going to get hammered by Ohio State. So I don't know what the spread is in the game, but I'll take Ohio State's offense all night long. If I'm Notre Dame, I'm going to do everything I can to establish the run because that was the thing that killed Ohio State's defense last year. They got gashed in their running game. And that's why they made the big move and brought Jim Knowles over is because they had to, Ryan Day had to get his defense fixed. That's what people out there were screaming about. Better get your defense fixed. So I think they're going to end up hammering Notre Dame when all is said and done. One intriguing game that I really like that I want to see what this looks like is two really good 
up-and-coming programs. And, and I think that this is a matchup of a couple of teams that are some of the best coach teams in all of college football, and that is the Cincinnati-Arkansas matchup. And look, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be the same team that they were last year. They lost too much. The Sauce Gardeners and the, you know, obviously, you know, um, uh, the quarterback that's that's here now, right? Like they they have just lost too much off of that team, NFL caliber team, to be able to get themselves to the playoff this year. But doesn't mean that they still won't be a really good team. And Arkansas with Sam Pittman is one of the better up and coming programs in the country. This is going to be a fun matchup to kind of gauge and evaluate because I think both teams are coached really well. But I think Arkansas is sort of underrated offensively at quarterback, running back, or wide receiver. I think they are a really good offensive group. And I think that they're going to handle Cincinnati in this game. But this is a game of two of the best coached teams in the country. I'll take Arkansas, especially being at home. And I, I really like this this matchup uh, in this game here uh, as well. As far as some of the other games go, Saturday or sorry, Sunday night, Florida State at LSU. Well, look, Florida State got their running game going, which we've been kind of waiting for the last few years out there. I think LSU is the sneaky good, potentially third best team in the SEC when all is said and done. I'm not guaranteeing it or anything, but I really like what Brian Kelly has going on. Florida State got its feet wet last week and really got that running game going. Can they keep that momentum? I thought their offense played really well. And I understand it was Duquesne, so it's hard to measure what that all is out there. But this is a very intriguing matchup. I like LSU a lot. I think playing at the Superdome always gives them a big advantage out there. But that Sunday night game, if Florida State can keep their running game going like it did in week one, they might find a way to keep this thing close. It's going to be a great weekend of college football. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, and then we get ready for NFL next week. We thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make our friends over at ATL Day One's your second listen every day. Jarvis Davis, Nitra Batiste, my friends over there, talking about all things in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Free and available on our YouTube page at Locked On Sports Atlanta. And of course, you can download us for free on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free there today. And of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Hope everybody has a great Labor Day weekend. We will talk to you on Tuesday of next week. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.